Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. In recent months, we've seen more and more evidence of the mental health crisis that's currently plaguing Americans from all walks of life, including a group that may outwardly appear to be living glamorously and avoiding the pitfalls of mental illness, but in reality seems to be suffering mightily in their own right. I'm talking about elite college athletes. In just the last couple of months, a number of decorated collegiate athletes have taken their own lives. Among them, Katie Meyer, a former national champion soccer player at Stanford, Sarah Schultz, a track star at Wisconsin, and Lauren Burnett, a standout softball player at James Madison. On this installment of the podcast, to try and make sense of this recent tragic trend, we'll be taking a closer look at how the ultra-intense world of college sports may be exacerbating issues of mental health. We'll be joined by Professor of Health Policy at UCLA, Daniel Eisenberg, who specializes in the issue of youth mental health and also happens to be a former college athlete himself. Professor Eisenberg will discuss what he observed as a soccer player at Stanford, what he sees in the current college sports environment, and what both universities and the NCAA can do to help better protect the mental health of college athletes moving forward. So without further ado, here's my interview with Daniel Eisenberg. Daniel, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So as I noted in our open, we've seen this really tragic recent stretch. Katie Meyer from Stanford, Sarah Schultz from Wisconsin, and just a couple of weeks ago, Lauren Burnett at James Madison, decorated athletes taking their own lives. In reading about these women and their stories, What do you see and how do you make sense of it? I go back to there's a more general trend in our society among young people, not just athletes, but young people in general are reporting more distress than ever and are seeking mental health services more than ever and are expressing suicidal ideas more than ever. So I think there's something broader that's going on that goes beyond athletics, although clearly in athletics, there are extra pressures, kind of higher profiles. I think beneath that surface, there's a lot going on. I think there's kind of offsetting factors. There's a lot of protective aspects of being a successful athlete. You have more of a sense of purpose. You have teammates. You have all the support that comes with that. You have physical activity. Physical activity alone is, is really important for mental health. But at the same time, in the other direction, you've got extra pressure. You have the stress of trying to be perfect, of competing, of protecting one's spot or trying to earn one's spot. So I think there's really things going in both directions. Right. You talk about protecting and earning one's spot. Some of these young women, just anecdotally, who recently took their own lives, these were elite level athletes, young women at the top of their game, national champions, certainly in no danger of losing a scholarship or anything like that. Should that come as a surprise? 
Well, again, I mean, similarly, we see in our college student data in general, a lot of students are doing very well academically, but reporting severe struggles with depressive symptoms, suicidal thoughts. So I think it's actually not uncommon to be very successful and also struggling deeply with mental health. As a researcher, that's what makes mental health so important and interesting and difficult to study is that it's complex. It's affected by so many different factors, and it also affects us in so many different ways. So we can't just kind of hone in on one particular issue. I've heard of something before, Daniel, called the paradise paradox applied to individuals or communities that are assumed to be leading a particularly happy, idyllic existence, but that are actually suffering. I wonder how you think that applies to athletes on college campuses, right? Considered by so many to be the big men and women on campus, but the reality of their struggles with mental health are entirely different from that perception. Yeah, I think, uh, and I was at University of Michigan for many years before coming to UCLA. And, and at Michigan, we started a program called Athletes Connected, which is still going very successfully. Uh, my colleagues back in Michigan are doing a wonderful job there. And one of the things we learned from Athletes Connected, just from talking student athletes a lot about mental health issues, is that there's not only a lot of pressure to succeed athletically, but also a lot of pressure to just demonstrate toughness and to demonstrate you can handle the pressures, not just the pressures of athletics, but also the pressures of life in general. So I do think there is that extra pressure to maintain a facade of strength. Uh, I think it is changing. I think young people today, including student athletes, are so much more open and so much more willing to talk about mental health than before. But I do think that still is a barrier for many student athletes. Parents of Katie Meyer and Sarah Schultz, a couple of the young women who just passed, they referenced in their public statements that the load these young women were carrying, the balancing act between athletics, academics, and daily life, really put a strain on them. Are the obligations placed on these student athletes today simply unrealistic? I think that's a concern for student athletes. And, and again, for college students in general. It's a really demanding period of life. Uh, young people are trying to establish themselves. Their relationships are very dynamic. There's a lot of excitement too, a lot of opportunities and a lot of growth. And so young people are trying to balance all that. So I, I guess what I would say is we need to really continue to focus more on how to create as supportive an environment as possible, whether it's for student athletes or you know students in general supportive at every level possible, coaches, teammates, professors, advisors, residential life, financial aid. Every, you know, again, as I said before, mental health touches on every aspect of students' lives. And so there's, and therefore, there are so many different ways that we can provide a supportive environment. Daniel, back in 2015, Real Sports reported on how abusive treatment from coaches and that pressure that comes from coaches can amplify stress and depression among athletes. How large of a role do you think that plays? I do actually have just my own experience as a former student athlete and just observing other peers and different teams. And anecdotally, there's no doubt coaches have so much influence over young people's lives and for better and worse. And it's often a fine line between kind of the tough love coach that is really getting the best out of student athletes and the coach who's really breaking people down mentally and emotionally. In my anecdotal experience, that is a big concern. 
hopefully the increased attention to mental health among young people these days is making a difference and kind of shifting the priority to coaches who can actually be supportive of mental health while also getting the best out of student-athletes. You played soccer at Stanford back in the 90s, and I wanted to mm-hmm. assess how you think things have shifted since then. On one hand, as you just noted, there's more attention, more discussion around mental health now than I imagine there was in the 90s. However, coaches are paid more. The arms race of college sports seems as intense as ever. So how do you reconcile those? And do you think that these pressures, these stressors on the modern college athlete have gotten better or worse in the last 20 years? My sense is that it's intensified on both sides. So, and, and what I mean is that the pressures have gotten larger because because I think, for example, there's social media and, and the, so student athletes feel kind of more public than ever, more scrutinized than ever. And also it's just, I think just like academics has gotten more competitive to get into top colleges. I think it's gotten more competitive to get into top college athletics than it was in my day. But at the same time, there's a lot more discussion about mental health. There are more mental health resources at places, at many places like Michigan, where I just was, UCLA. There's so it's kind of more, more stress, but more support. I don't know where that leaves us. Yeah, your expertise is focused on policy and investment in mental health. So let's talk about mm-hmm. that. What sort of mental health resources and services are provided to college athletes? Are they substantial? Are they unique from what other students on a college campus receive? Increasingly, there are, I think, some unique resources. I think in the last 10 years or so, there's been a trend towards hiring counselors, more counselors who are specific or in the athletic department and specifically for student athletes. But of course, it can be difficult. Student athletes have extremely busy schedules, not a lot of flexibility. So depending on the hours and the location of the general counseling center, that could be really difficult. So I do think, at least on some of the larger uh, universities with larger sports programs, I think there's been an increased access to counseling resources. And that's, that's important. But I think we're still a long ways from meeting the, the full needs for student-athlete mental health as well as student mental health in general. There's just been an ever-increasing desire to use mental health services that's gone along with this rise in distress that young people are reporting. What in your mind is most clearly missing? Well, I think it's most campuses have come to the conclusion that it's probably not realistic to just continue to hire more and more counselors. I think that's going to be part of the solution. I think the ideal kind of system would be what's referred to typically as a a kind of a tiered system of support. So what that system does is that it it helps identify kind of the level of need that people have at any given time and then matches them to or offers them kind of the right level or type of resource. And so for some student athletes or some students, it might be kind of a less intense intervention or resource, like maybe a digital program that's maybe self-guided or has a little place, a coach in the background, but not a lot of direct contact with a counselor or a professional. Uh, And then for somebody with greater needs, it might be actually like a you know, t- traditional therapy or teletherapy. And so there's this whole continuum from kind of light resources to like intensive resources and then even crisis resources and where we're continually kind of monitoring or helping to identify what people need at the, any given time. That That's kind of, the, I know it's that sort of abstract, but I think that's kind of the ideal system that we should be working towards. You say we're still a long ways away from where we need to be. Why aren't universities doing more? Is it simply cost-cutting? I mean, what are the reasons why more isn't being done? 
Well, I mean, universities are doing a lot, first of all. So I don't mean to suggest that it's an issue that's been neglected. I think it's just that it's hard to keep up. The, the use of mental health services, like in our national data set, just the use of counseling has approximately doubled in the last 10 years. And so, it, so universities, I think, have, have, are trying to keep up, but that's difficult. I think also there's a, a legitimate question of what's the right mix of, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but like the mental services and mental health care don't just take place on campus. Of course, there are community providers and a lot of students go off campus, especially if they have more complex needs. Most university counseling centers are set up to just kind of provide brief therapy and then provide referrals to people who need longer term care with the idea that they will try to serve as many students as possible um, rather than using up a lot of resources for a small number of students. So it's a combination of universities need to continue to step up, but also our mental health care system in general needs to step up. There's a shortage of providers, particularly in rural areas or a lot of other areas of the country. So it can be hard to even find a provider, even if you have insurance coverage. And then I think the other angle where I think universities in our system need to step up is taking a more preventive approach. I think we often focus just on mental health care, the counselors and psychiatry services, but we're increasingly learning about different things we can do to actually prevent mental health problems from escalating before they reach that level where it's a clinical need. And that, that's campus, campuses are investing a lot in that, but I think there's still a lot to learn about what's the best way to do that and to put that investment in there. Where student athletes are specifically concerned, how much of the policy making burden falls to universities and their athletic departments and how much of it can and should be influenced in your mind by the NCAA? Well, the NCAA has, I know in recent years, they have provided a variety of helpful guidelines and resources about kind of just generally the importance of student athlete mental health. They made some very strong statements, I'd say, about the importance of supporting student mental health and some recommendations and guidelines for how to do so. So that's a good start. I mean, it's a good question in terms of policy. Should there be requirements for a certain level of services? But I, I do agree that there's certainly a role at a national level for the NCAA to help establish some standards. If I were to make you the NCAA's czar of mental health services for athletes nationwide, and you could kind of put into place any sort of system or a policy framework that is more robust or different from what we have now, what would that look like? I would want to do something to monitor the level of supportiveness that student athletes feel in their in their environment to actually ask the student athletes at ideally every program around the country how supportive do you feel like this environment is for your mental health and then have some accountability around that so if there are programs institutions where student athletes clearly feel like it's not supportive towards mental health then there would be some kind of uh, reforms or corrective action that would take place after that but I do think uh, there's a lot to be learned simply by asking the student athletes how supportive they feel like their environment is. You touch on something that's interesting there. Do you fear at all that in this ultra competitive, ultra cutthroat world of modern collegiate athletics, that that environment at times is just incompatible with one that's truly compassionate of mental health struggles? I don't think so, because there's plenty of evidence that good mental health actually supports 
higher performance in all walks of life, not just athletics, but, you know, academics. We've done some of the research showing that students with better mental health are more likely to get good grades and stay in college. And, you know, in the workplace, employees who are have better mental health are more productive. So I think the same applies to athletics. And we, we hear about some examples like uh, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks kind of had a focus on mindfulness and, and mental health. And, you know, obviously they were very successful for many years. So I think there's a way to focus on mental health and actually perform better. Uh, it's not at the cost of performance necessarily. Looking forward, Daniel, do you have confidence that the place we're in right now, these recent tragedies, this uptick in mental health problems and these growing discussions will spur meaningful reform to help better serve the mental health needs of athletes? I do have some optimism. I think we've often seen that at individual campuses, there's been many cases where a tragedy or, or even a series of tragedies have led to some important reforms and improvements. It's certainly not the ideal kind of sequence of events. Of course, we'd love to be more proactive. I think some campuses are being more proactive, but I do have some optimism just in general because, as I said before, young people are more interested in mental health, more open about it than ever before. I think there's a lot of potential for kind of peer-based programs where peers are supporting each other and also advocating for more resources. There's organizations like Active Minds where students or organizations are actively advocating for more support for mental health. So I think in terms of resources and support, we're headed in the right direction. I am optimistic about that. Well, Professor Daniel Eisenberg, while it's certainly been sad to see all of these stories coming across in the current landscape, we appreciate you coming onto the podcast to uh, talk about the current state of affairs and help us make some sense of it. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's Real Sports podcast. We'll be back with a new episode following the premiere of the next Real Sports on May 24th. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch all recent episodes of Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time.